Rooted Prayer podcast, where we explore the new prayer movement that's awakening, fueled by the Lord's Prayer. And I'm your host, Sarah Maynard. Welcome to Rooted Prayer. This is episode number 11, and today we're going to be talking about the joy of holiness. We're going to be exploring the petition of forgive us our sins, the cry for mercy, the cry of repentance. Now, if you're new to Rooted Prayer, uh, my name's Sarah Maynard. I've already been introduced to you. I'm the director of Redleaf Prayer Ministries, and we're a, a national Canadian prayer ministry that mobilizes and equips and leads uh, much prayer in the nation, even on a daily basis. And uh, we've been growing in our love for the Lord's Prayer. Really, the Lord's Prayer was meant to be the centerpiece of every believer's prayer life. Our lives uh, in prayer to God were meant to be shaped and informed by this instruction of this is how then you should pray. And so we want to go deeper into the Lord's Prayer. And what we've discovered is that it's actually holding all these amazing keys for personal revival, for personal um, growth in our relationship with God, for coming into a place where our communion with Him is full of life and joy, um, uh, goodness and peace, uh, revelation, uh, that, that we encounter Him in beautiful ways, uh, in, in a very regular way. And so the Lord's Prayer is, is offering some very important uh, principles, um, uh, guidelines for us in how to pray and for how, how we can grow in this kind of a relationship with the Lord. Uh, what, a, what a great gift it is to the body of Christ. Now, over the last few years, I've been teaching on the Lord's Prayer, traveling across Canada and doing that. And, but what I've been noticing a little bit more in the last few months is that one of the important features of the Lord's Prayer is that it consistently brings us back to praying for the things that we actually need to be praying for on a daily basis. We're not just praying for what we want to pray for or what we feel the most intensely emotionally, but we're actually being discipled by Jesus, being, um, being transformed by him by hitting these issues that if left to our own devices, we might actually choose to avoid. We might not go there. And we certainly wouldn't go there regularly. We certainly wouldn't go there daily if we did, um, if we did go there at all. For example, for some people, the idea of being dependent upon God uh, just seems very difficult. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like that. I'm wired for independence. Maybe you're like that too. I feel like I'm kind of hardwired for this independent place of trying to do it all on my own strength, trying to do it out of my own wisdom, out of my own um, capacities and resources. You know, it's easy for me to default to not being dependent, for me being independent. And so the prayer of dependence, which is in the Lord's Prayer, which is give us this day our daily bread. Uh, this, is, this is a prayer of dependence, if nothing is. Uh, give, us, give us all that we need. Give us our provision. Give us your, your word, your presence. 
uh, even the very daily uh, sustenance, the food we would eat, Lord, we receive it from you every day. This is an incredible prayer of dependence. And for us to pray this prayer every day, it's like it's it, it can it starts to shape us. It starts to uh, cut all of those tendencies towards independence off and move us into being uh, transformed into being de- a dependent person, somebody that's dependent upon the Lord in a very healthy, proper, holy way. And so, so that's one of the uh, that's an illustration. Another. Um, this might be something that uh, some of you could relate to. Uh, the idea of praying a prayer of surrender might seem as though it's something that we would only do on a rare occasion. But here it is, right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now friends, you can't pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth if you're not willing to pray, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Uh, those two don't work together. I mean, you could pray it, but you, it's kind of hypocritical. So so you can't pray it with integrity. Let's put it that way. Um, you can't pray a prayer of surrender without meaning it. And so when we pray this, let your will be done, we're coming to this place of surrender. And that's not a place that everybody wants to go to every day. In fact, if we've got rebellious tendencies, if we've got independent tendencies, if we want to go our own way, then this idea of surrendering and continually being drawn into surrender is something that begins to shape us and transform us. This is a really good thing. This is, this is a wonderful way that God actually starts dealing with our hearts and our attitudes um, these issues that are, are, are real struggles for us that we don't even notice because we live in our own lives. But he wants to transform us. Now, for, for many, this prayer of repentance, forgive us our sins. Well, the whole sentence is forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. But for this conversation, for this episode, we're just landing on the first half of that because there's so much there and there's no way we're going to get through, you know, all the different implications or benefits of this in a few, the few short minutes that we have in this podcast. But, but here we are, we're just going to focus on this first portion of this prayer. It's really a prayer of search me, Lord, cleanse me. Restore me to a completely right relationship with you. And you know, there's a lot of us that don't really want to pray that every day. We don't want to even pray it every week. (laughs) We we don't really want to pray it at all. (laughs) Or maybe just when things get really, really bad. But you know, we need to be led to pray this regularly, to pray it daily. Otherwise, uh, we won't necessarily take the time to allow the the light of God, the searchlight of God, to search our thoughts, our motives, our words, our deeds, uh, the the ways that we are walking, the ways that we are planning. How are we? How are we living? Lord, is my life actually pleasing to you, or are there things that grieve you? Are there things that uh, you would love to speak to me about, but I'm kind of plugging my ears and going la 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 because I don't want to hear 
what you have to say about my life. If we pray this petition daily, it gives us uh, some time. It gives space to allow that light of God to search us. And it's not just um, searching our all the things that we're doing, but also even speaking to us about areas that we're neglecting. Perhaps we're neglecting something like, um, you know, an appreciation for the scriptures or um, or we're not perhaps as active in our family as we might need to be if we want to have to be raising healthy children and have healthy marriages. Sins of omission or things that we're not doing are also things that, that we may be completely oblivious to, but God wants to speak to us about. So let's allow the searchlight of God to, um, to shine into our life. And this is actually a, a part of revival. And we, we talk a lot um, on this podcast and in the work that I'm doing about how the Lord's Prayer actually points us towards daily personal revival. And even some of these examples that I've mentioned, dependence and surrender, these are parts of uh, a revived lifestyle. If you want to live in daily revival, these are some things that the Lord wants to build into you. But all the more this prayer of repentance. And the reality is, if we don't pray it regularly, it's easy for in our busy life to not notice the little and even the big issues that grieve God and then begin to separate us from him. These issues start to accumulate attitudes, words, um, conflicts, things that uh, just if we don't take the time, these, in a sense, build up and bring separation in our intimacy and our communion with the Lord. In, in those moments where our heart is drifting from God, um, it, it's easy to brush off the, the tinge of conviction that might start to hit us. Uh, when we feel that, we kind of go, oh, uh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to know that you're unhappy with that or that, that I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to take the time to just turn that around and repent and get that right. And so, every, But every time we resist and, and brush off that conviction, what we're actually doing is hardening our heart a wee bit more. And we're, we're drifting, we're wandering from him. I was struck the other day in church. We were... Uh, we kind of parked for a long time in in this one hymn, and it it's like our whole congregation was just sort of soaking in it. Uh, this is a really old hymn. It was written in 1758. It's called "O Thou Fount of Every Blessing," and it, it uses a lot of language that we don't use today, and even worse that we don't really even understand. But this one stanza was particularly potent. And we, we sang it through a number of times and then went back to it again because it just seemed to really speak to our hearts. And, and it's funny how, you know, through the ages, through the centuries, these tendencies of, um, of our wandering heart, uh, you know, come, come to light. And we, we all, it's a universal issue that we all deal with. So these are the words. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it 
Seal it for your courts above. Prone to wander. Boy, I think we can all relate to this. But praying this petition of repentance daily, Father, forgive me my sins. Search me. Show me where I've drifted. Praying this petition of repentance daily, it gives room and it even gives honor to conviction. Where we're not pushing conviction away anymore, but we're, we're giving it space. We're saying, Lord, I'm just going to sit and listen and wait and you speak to me if there's something in my life that you want to see changed. An attitude, a, a thought pattern, a, a habit, a, a relationship that I haven't, I haven't um, loved well in. Uh, and you know what happens when we do that is it creates in us a lifestyle reoriented towards holiness. And that's a good thing. We want that virtue of holiness to be in our lives. Now, holiness, this is something that has been completely mocked and maligned by the world. The idea of holiness. It's a virtue and it's an attribute of God. But it has been completely, uh, oh, just dumped on by the world to the point that often we as Christians are uncomfortable saying that we value holiness because it creates just such a sense of, there's such a mockery of holiness, isn't there? And, and to be honest, I think as Christians, we've actually accepted the world's um, perception of holiness, the world's uh, caricature of holiness. It, it, you know, you could kind of imagine what the world would describe as holiness uh, somebody from the Victorian age with their hair up in a severe bun, only wearing dark clothes that were completely covering, you know, every, you know, almost a burqa kind of thing, a restricted lifestyle, no fun, no play, no entertainment or recreation, no creativity, no laughter, no singing, all dressed in black. Um, probably Methodist or Presbyterian or Puritan, because those are the those are usually the denominations that get caricaturized as as being very strict and holy. Uh, like that, that's what the world thinks of holiness. And honestly, who wants that? And that's not true. Jesus is the Holy One, and He is full of joy. He was not like that at all. It was friendly and warm and engaging and full of a sparkle in his eyes, and I'm sure quite mischievous at times. Full of joy, full of joy, but full of also the beauty of holiness. You know, I think sometimes of of uh, how it says in the Psalms that in His presence there is fullness of joy. In the presence of Jesus, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And, and holiness actually increases the presence of God in our lives. So why don't we reclaim the concept of holiness and recognize that it, it is a primary attribute of God. It is something that we value and we're just going to reclaim it and, and bring it about and and you know, allow it in our own thinking and our own understanding for, for us to have a biblical vision of holiness. You know, God is holy and 
the angels, you know, around the throne. You can see this in the book of Revelation. They, they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, don't they? This is their cry. They don't cry kind, 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 or gentle, 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 or good, good, good. You know, these are great attributes, fruits of the Spirit, things that we value. But even greater is holiness. Think, think about this for a moment. The Spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit, not the kind spirit or the, um, I don't know, think about different fruits of the Spirit, the peaceful Spirit. Yes, He is all those things, but His name is Holy Spirit. Holiness matters to God. Holiness is integral to becoming more like Christ. It's not just avoiding sin. It's not, holiness is not sinlessness. It's being filled with all of the goodness, the fruit of the Spirit, the righteousness of God, God God's bravery and his, his, um, oh, his kindness, his peace, his long-suffering, all of the righteousness of God. That's holiness. Manifesting all the fruits, all the different fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's holiness, being more like Christ. And holiness is beautiful. Psalm 27 verse 2 uh, says this, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When we are filled and grow in greater ways and in, uh, in more holiness, then it actually creates a, a beauty of an inner man that is that it's beauty and it begins to, to radiate out uh, in our expressions, in our words. It is a good thing. So let's pursue this. And one of the chief ways we do that is building into our lives uh, a daily pattern and giving room for the Lord's Prayer daily creates this in us. And so we turn daily away from anything that grieves God, anything that brings darkness or sin into our lives, any way that we may wander from the Lord we arrest that, or he arrests that, really, by bringing us conviction, and then we turn. But let's look at something else that is a big problem for Christians who have perhaps been believers for a little bit longer. When we think about holiness and wanting to grow in holiness, there can be a very big issue with the blindness of self-righteousness. What's self-righteousness? Well, where we've maybe adopted an outwardly, seemingly righteous life and even become quite satisfied with it. We're, we're content with the righteousness of our life and we've become pleased that we no longer do or even say the things that we once did, that our lives may be even held up as examples of Christian lifestyles. But you know, only God knows what's in the heart. And the most deadly sin may be that which is not immediately apparent, a sin of self-righteousness, believing that we have obtained a place of righteousness uh, in our own self, in our own doing. I want you to consider for a moment the amount of time that the gospel writers teach us from Jesus's interactions with the Pharisees. 
Friends, they wouldn't have wasted all this space in the Gospels if this wasn't going to be an issue for the church. Remember, the Gospels were written for our sake, that we would be discipled in the ways of Jesus, in the ways of the kingdom, that we would know the Gospel. And there's so much, uh, in a sense, real estate <laughs> given to the stories of Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees. Here's a beautiful example from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus' words, it says here, or sorry, this is Luke's words, um, talking about Jesus. And, and so he says this, To some who trusted in their own righteousness. Now, I've got that underlined. Trusted in their own righteousness. Yikes. And viewed others with contempt. Woo. He told this parable. Two men went up to a temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself, that's interesting, and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other man. I'm not swindler, evildoer, adulterer, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all that I have received. But the tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. For everyone who, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, um, big red flag, watch out for trusting in your own righteousness. Watch out for feeling slightly superior of others. Watch out for self-righteousness. And let's think about true repentance because recognizing that we've fallen short is not enough. The goal of this petition of repentance is actually to restore right fellowship with the Father. It's like this continual posture of course corrections, daily choosing, moment by moment choosing to be more like him, to um, be arrested in, in thinking a, a straying thought or arrested in a jealous or malicious motive, arrested in greed, daily repentance, choosing to be more like him. And it requires more than just lip service repentance, but really being truly grieved that we've sinned. It's, it involves changing our minds about the goodness of our ways and replacing them with the true goodness of God's ways. And so in effect, we're recognizing that our ways aren't good at all, but God's ways are. I love the fact that, uh, I love this quote from Tim Keller, where he says, true repentance is not, oh, I broke God's law and feeling bad about that. Okay, so I'm paraphrasing Tim Keller now, but it's, I broke God's heart. So it's not being uh, grieved over breaking the law, but being grieved over breaking God's heart that's expressed in the law. It's, it's a relational issue. It's not ticking the boxes and trying to just have an outward appearance of holiness. 
So the more we make this petition a part of our lifestyle, the more we become aware of the depths of God's grace and mercy and our great need for it. And the more we do this, and this is beautiful, (laughs) I love this, the more we do this, the more we live in this place of repentance uh, and become um, just fluent in repentance and never too far away from the place of repentance. The more we do this, the more we experience the truth of Jesus's words where he said, he who has been forgiven much loves much. The more our hearts become on fire with the love of God. So uh, that's our episode today. Some thoughts on uh, forgive us our sins. Uh, And there's so many more ways that we can look at this petition and we will in the future episode. But next time we're going to be exploring the do's and don'ts of praying the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I'm not going to tip you off, but we're going to go through some of the basic do's and don'ts, things that you want to do and things that you don't want to do to allow this prayer to become really, really powerful and transforming and life-giving in your walk with God. And so God bless you as you pray the Lord's Prayer daily. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. (music) 